The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah, the 64th chapter. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you, who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle comes from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand now for the Alleluia in verse. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch has become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. As we gather this Advent day, we realize that Jesus is in the center of world history, a history that is going somewhere from an alpha point to an omega point, and it pivots on the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And Advent is a season that begins our liturgical year. It ties the rhythm of earthly life with the rhythm of heavenly life. The word Advent is actually derived from the Latin Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And in the early Roman Empire, Adventus referred to the arrival of a person of dignity or great power, like a king or an emperor or even one of the pagan gods. For Christians, Advent is the time when the church patiently waits and prepares for the coming of the great king, Jesus the Christ. And, you know, as we consider Advent, it's also part of an even greater liturgical season. It includes Christmas and Epiphany, and then continues all the way up to Ash Wednesday. And even though Advent is often considered a prelude for Christmas, it's not simply just waiting for the birth of Christ, but rather the preparatory and penitential aspects of Advent focus on Christ's second coming as the judge of the world. You know, that great day of the Lord that the prophets proclaimed so that we are prepared, watchful, and waiting so that when Christ does come, we are immediately taken into his kingdom. And so Advent is a time for holy joy and preparation. And it really emphasizes four different Advents or comings. Certainly the prophetic coming that points to Christ's birth. After all, we have all those great quotes from the prophets of old that point to the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem. And then we have his actual incarnate coming in Bethlehem at his birth. We have the sacramental coming through the waters of baptism and through the elements in the Lord's Supper. And then we also have a fourth coming, which is the day of the Lord, to which we say as Christians, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And so four comings that we participate and understand. And our epistle reading for this first Sunday leaves no question about the focus of our season. 
The name Jesus occurs eight times in the first nine verses. Imagine, why would Paul write in such a way that he uses the name of Jesus so frequently? Well, certainly, he wants the church in Corinth to understand what it means to have Jesus as the center of their daily narrative of life their thoughts, their imagination to all be centered on Christ. And that if they could do that, then all of life then will be properly contextualized. And what I mean by that is because, you know, the church in Corinth, it was not known to be the most unified one, okay? It's a church that was being torn asunder uh, internal pressures, the rich were lording it over the poor. Uh, there was a lack of love, which is why in 1 Corinthians 13 you get a whole chapter about love. And so as we understand this book that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is there to help them center their doings around the Jesus who has come for them. He came as the prophets foretold. He came in Bethlehem as prophesied. He sacramentally came and brought them into his kingdom through the power of his word and through the sacrament of baptism. And he continued to bring them around his table. Even though in Corinth there were a lot of difficulties about the Lord's Supper. But yet, the main unifying factor is Jesus. And Paul is trying to make sure that they unify on the right thing and not on the wrong thing. And maybe that's something that you and I can take a lesson for today as well. That we don't try to tie Jesus as an ornament on our tree of life, but rather we are hung on Jesus as one of his people. Therefore, all our doings are caught up with Christ in the center. That we're caught up in his life and death and resurrection. That our lives are lived to his glory and praise. That we are thankful that he brought us out of the darkness into light that God has worked such magnificent salvation and faith in our hearts. You see, everything revolves around Jesus. We don't just wear him as an ornament, but rather he is there in our hearts. He is the Lord that sits in our heart, who governs and who is our Savior who we love and whom we glorify. And so Paul is trying to bring that all to them, to focus them, because, well, let's face it, the world can be rather confusing at times. These people in the church in Corinth had been brought out of pagan worship. They had been brought out of different culture-focused areas. And so it was a bleak age of confusion. Well, can we say not the same about our day and age? That there's a lot of confusion today? 
identity confusion, conflation of lies. You know, it's hopeless, we know, to be hip and happy, but not have any focus on Jesus. To have no future with no meaning is a non-story that's not going anywhere. So where is the depth? Where is the timeless factor? And what is the darn point? You see, our society and culture now does not give us any depth. It's all about now and me. But God gives us depth. He gives us depth that is beyond measure in the depth of his word for us that is anchored in the past, active in the present, and will continue to bring things together in the future. You see, in Christ, we see that. But our world today has no overarching storyline of history but rather just individual stories that are not linked together. For you and I, we have the greatest story ever told, right? You and I, we know that the Jesus of the Bible is the Savior of the world. He is the light among men. And so God has his purposes revealed to us in our walk with him. You see, God sets us apart for his purposes. And Paul explains what it means to be holy. It means that they had heard the gospel and received baptism. And that there is a line right there between purpose and purposelessness. You see... You and I, as Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, who are baptized, set apart, made holy by Christ and his actions. But the world is full of purposelessness. Their roads don't go anywhere. They go around in circles and nothing happens. So you and I, we're bound up into something quite remarkable. We are going somewhere together. You know, this morning, think of yourselves. Look at this sanctuary, and you have an aisle going down the middle. Think of you're on the great bus line of Jesus, okay? Some of you sit in the back because you like the bumps, okay? Okay? Some of you like to set up front because you like to see where you're going, okay? And some of you like the aisle because, you know, you never know when you might need to go and use the potty, okay? And some of you like also sitting on the side because you can look out. Well, we don't have a lot of windows on the side of the sanctuary, but you get the point. We are on an adventure with Jesus, and he is the one who's guiding and directing us. And in this Advent time, our lives truly are led by Jesus who directs us to see things that he wants us to see. He takes the great bus of the church and drives us by the places he wants us to see, to experience, so that together 
we are brought into greater relationship with one another as well as with him. And so you and I today, we are learners on the way. And we see the will of our God and Savior through devotion to his word. When he tells us, look out, see this. Or when he says, stay awake because the best is yet to come. We should do what he says. And guess what? If you're sitting in the pew this morning and your eyes are getting a little drowsy, let the person next to you give you a little elbow. Okay? Okay? That little elbow to keep you in attention span. Okay? Because you don't want to miss Jesus. So may you and I realize that God has called us from the past, equips us in the present, and will complete the entire process in the future. That was the story of the church in Corinth. This is our confidence as well. You know, human history, and especially the Christian life, have a shape that is wondrous to see. Jesus can infuse even the most mundane and difficult with sanctifying purposes. Suppose our church bus gets a flat tire. There's a purpose there. We work together to solve. When we encounter difficulties, God uses those difficulties for what? For our good. So today, may we realize that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. That we are a precious person whom God has loved and saved and even died for so that we could have life. That is our story, just as it was the Corinthian story, that we're praising our Savior all the day long. Yes, Diane, I knew you knew where I was going with that one. You know, that this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. I think you all know this, okay? So maybe we should sing that as kind of the conclusion here, okay? This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, Praising my Savior all the day long. Wonderful. God bless. Amen.